morning. Welcome to uh, Fort St. John Alliance Church. We're just so delighted you're able to be here on this nice, warm, long weekend. It's great to see some faces here in the room and to greet you also uh, from wherever you may be watching today. It's a great gift for us to be able to be together and just to worship God, to delight in the goodness of who he is and just the, the radiance of his presence. So again, thank you for making this a priority over the midst of a long weekend. It's just great to be able to be together this way. I'm excited today to have Brian Clark here with me as uh, our, uh, our guest to talk this. I was going to call you a victim, but you know, I'll go with guest. It seems more nice and happy and exciting. You didn't tell me there was going to be a spotlight up here. <laughs> so, Brian, you've been on our elders board for a while. Again, I've always, one of the things I really appreciate about you is just in a conversation, you have a really amazing way of asking just the right questions at just the right time. Hmm. And again, I think it's uh, just some of your thoughtful nature kind of coming out over the course of time. And I don't know if a lot of people know just a whole lot about who you are and how things work, but why don't you give us a bit of your story? So how did you come to know Jesus? How did you begin that relationship? What have been a few of the significant highlights along the way? Oh, boy. Huh. Oh, born in southern Saskatchewan on a small dairy farm. Six kids. Uh, very uh, church family. Uh, if we were alive and walking, we were in Sunday school. Uh, the only way to get out of it is you had to be horizontal and nearly dead. Um, but that was our, you know, the f between the farm and the church, that was that was life. Yeah. And then when the mom, I was 13 at the time, and mom and dad, the farm needed a major overhaul, so they picked us all up and they moved us 120 miles west of Fort Nelson up the Alaska Highway. Must be the, quite the shift. In the, in the 60s. What was the road like then? Oh, not even. It was gravel, and to get from here to Toad River was about a 12-hour drive. Yeah. It was a different world. Uh, I loved it. I was a 13-year-old kid living on a ranch in the mountains. Yep. Uh, I was in paradise. Mom, not so much. She had left her church behind. There was no church fellowship. Music was her whole life, and uh, she just just terribly lonely. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't make the ranch work. It was just too far away and all that. So uh, they moved down into Belle Donald in 1971. And so I finished high school here. Okay. And uh, after high school, left and went to the Yukon for a few years, kind of strayed away from everything that I've been brought up with. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, w I accepted the Lord at Sagatawa. Okay. The very first year they were out there. Yeah. What, how old were you at that point in time? 17. Okay. And uh, I had been asked by a pastor from Dawson Creek to go out. He had three horses, and he wanted me to wrangle his horses. There was no fences. Uh, I spent most of the time up in the reserve looking for the horses. And, uh, but uh, that was the very first year. It used to be down in, in the Kiskatin. It was called Rock of Ages. Yep. They moved it to Moberly, and uh, I accepted Lord at a campfire that, that night. And straight away after that for a while, and uh, life has a few major events. One of them in my life is I got to know two young guys from Atland in the dorm in here mm -hmm. and uh, moved up north into the Yukon with them uh, after high school. And we spent three years up there. Anyway, we were all going to travel Europe together. And I, the relationship fell apart, and another fellow bought a gravel truck, and Greg says, I'm going without you guys. So he took off, and I said, well, I'll meet you there in the fall. So I had all the plane tickets bought and everything. 25th of October, got a phone call. He had died in a house fire. Wow. He was sleeping on a friend's couch. Somebody dropped a cigarette in an armchair, and the fumes killed him. Mm -hmm. And what that did for me was, he was 21, and the first thing I remember was I can just see the Lord's finger pointing at me and say, you know, you're not living right. 
and Europe's not going anywhere. And this, this is an, uh, an example that life can die, like life can end at 21. Mm -hmm. And I, can't, I just remember packing Greg's coffin to, to the uh, grave in Atlin mm -hmm. and just readjusting life at the time. Yeah. From that event, we went, uh, I came back down from that, and Christine and a couple friends were already registered for Bible school. Yeah. And uh, I knew her brother, I didn't know her at all at that time. Anyway, uh, she, she phoned down and, to Camrose and said, is there room for a couple more people down there? And so I went to Bible school, spent the whole winter there, just uh, life-changing. You know, it just, it, I learned so much that year and uh, just a readjustment, mm -hmm. basically. Um, came back, I, um, the, the gal that I've been going out with in Yukon says, well, he says, you're too young to get married, you should be looking for a career. And she said, I said to her, well, I've got a job, what's the difference? <laughs> and uh, so, no, it's a career. So I looked into everything. Anyway, I registered for aircraft mechanics, mm -hmm. but it was a three-year waiting list. So I bounced around, did all kinds of things for three years. Ended up going to Vancouver, yep. uh, got licensed, worked for North Caribou until 82 when the, when the oil field died. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were working out of an office in Edmonton, and, and uh, the boys down there was party life. And I didn't like bar life ever. So Christine and some friends were coming back from Europe, and uh, I knew she was going to be in town staying overnight. So I used her as an excuse to go, not to go to the bar that night. For sure. And uh, that was the beginning of a whole different relationship. <laughs> how, did she like, how did she like the fact that you used her as an excuse? Uh, she, yeah. <laughs> I never told her that for quite a long time. <laughs> I guess but it's out now. It's out there now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But it was a pretty cute excuse. Yep. And uh, so then um, we dated for a little while, short while. Yep. Got married in 82. And uh, 80, <clears throat> I was 28, and I thought I knew it all. And I learned in one week that I didn't know anything. <laughs> and I wasn't ready for getting to be a husband or anything. Sure. <clears throat> so in the, <clears throat> the first couple of years of marriage, there was a lot of prayer by a lot of people. Sure. Yep. And, uh, you know, Norm and Linda came down. We went to a marriage encounter, and we, they came down at the end of the marriage encounter. I learned that you're supposed to communicate with your wife. That's helpful. Apparently. Yep. yep. And uh, so that was, and now we're approaching 40 years. Yeah, it's exciting. I, well, it's the old thing. I can't imagine life without her. Sure. And uh, the Lord, I was working at the hangar in, in, in North Caribou, and as a missionary pilot was working there. He came to our church to, oh, oh I can't remember his name right off. And he told me, he says, oh, yeah, he says, in my life one time, time you know, this guy's a missionary pilot. Mm -hmm. And he said, the only thing that kept us together was the Lord. And I said, you're kidding. You know, you're a missionary pilot. Oh, he was right. And... Uh, you know, there's been even times where the only thing kept us together is the Lord. But what what is better? Sure, that's yeah. yeah. So. Again, for lots of people during this season, I think many people throughout the course of this last year and a bit have found some of their marriages or their relationships under strain. Again, obviously for the two of you, you felt freedom to be able to invite other people into that story so that they could pray with you and help you process. Mm -hmm. um, what were some of the things that brought you to the place where you felt confident and comfortable to be able to other invite other people into that part of the journey with you? Well, I think the last year and a half, what's, what, what I've, what's taught me basically is th this church family, we've been here, I think, 32 years or whatever it is now, and uh, the building doesn't matter. It's the people that matter. That's the family. And uh, you know, when we got back a few weeks ago, all of a sudden you've seen people around you. You haven't seen them for a year and a half, mm -hmm. and you just, you know, you realize how, 
how much you've missed them. You, you, just the connection. You just yeah. get to talk to people. Uh, farm life through this whole thing has probably changed less than most people's. Mm -hmm. Cows don't care. Uh, they just want fed. Crops, it's seasons. That doesn't matter. So yep. our life in that way has probably changed less than most. Sure. But uh, it's taught me the difference, the church, how much I miss the people. That's what it is. Eh? And uh, that's where the friendships are. Where the, Every time I kind of go through a different thing in my spiritual life, there's always been a man in the church. And I, I just blame it on the Lord because he'll put somebody in my way that will just show me something. Sure. Different things along the way. And uh, I appreciate so much the men that I've connected with along the way where I'll be going through something. Some other fellow will, be, will come up and he's struggling with the same thing mm -hmm. and he's open and, and vulnerable and, and willing to sure. you know and, and give me a word that I need at the time yep. sometimes I don't appreciate it at the time <laughs> but realize later that it's just what I needed sure. what, I, what I needed to hear at the time yeah you know I thought when you got into your 60s and later that you know you knew it all nah yeah. you're just you're learning along with everyone else there's still lessons that I'm learning, you know, all the time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I think it's an interesting statement because I think for lots of us, there's a sense of pride or fear of admitting failure, right? Like, especially when we're going through something, we want to feel strong, we want to feel powerful, we want to feel capable. Uh, and I think it just speaks a lot to, again, your humility and just the value of humility mm -hmm. to be able to have someone come alongside you and say, this is where I'm at or this is how I process the journey. And to be able to start to receive that information, again, even if you struggle with it at the time, to be able mm -hmm. to engage with it and work it through. So. What advice would you give to people who are in this current season, in this moment, they're wrestling, again, maybe in their marriage, in the context of life, there's particular something they're struggling with, wrestling with, and they're just not sure how to, how to open up or how to receive help in that space. What advice would you give to them? Well, I, I understand fully what they go through because I struggle with that too. To, to admit that you have a problem or that you're struggling in an area, you know, I was raised, you're not supposed to do that as a man. You're supposed to have it all together to be the leader of the home, you know, all that stuff. Well, it's just not true. You know, you're, you know, and I, uh, you know, I, all I would say is reach out to someone, mm -hmm. someone you trust. And uh, in most cases, in my experience anyway, that the Lord will prepare that person for the word you need. Yeah. And your vulnerability is not a weakness at all. Like, mm -hmm. I appreciate so much the men that, I, that are vulnerable, that are willing to say, I'm struggling in this. It, you don't look down at them. It's, it does the opposite. Sure. You know, you, you, you uh, appreciate their courage mm -hmm. to, to admit this is an issue I'm going through. Um, and uh, just their vulnerability, it, it, you know, you look at the opposite. It's not a failure. It's a strength. Sure. You know, it's, I think the hardest thing in the world, you can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I had to learn, I'm still learning that every time, you know, you, to try, you can, you can pray all that stuff yourself and that's all you need to do that. Mm -hmm. One of the lessons of the last year and a half too is that, um, uh, how do I put it? Um, the more time you spend with the Lord, it's like a friendship. That's what it's kind of supposed to be, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't make a friend without spending time with them. Sure. And the more time you spend, the, the, you know, the, the closer you get, the more you know them and that. Same thing with the Lord. Time without, you know, and, and I, I struggle with finding time. Farms just get in the way. 
every time you think, oh, I got time, no, something, some cow will get out or something. Sure. But you can't build a relationship without time. So, yep. you know, that part. But if you're struggling in some way, and it doesn't matter what it is, mm -hmm. you know, find somebody you trust and just give them a call. Yeah. You know. The other side of that is the responsibility. If, if, some, if the Lord brings somebody to my mind, mm -hmm. um, I better phone them. Sure. Because there's a reason. Yeah. You know, and when Jen, our daughter, was in hospital for, you know, so many times through those years, uh, you know, people would be praying for her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it, they, were, they were obeyed because the Lord told them, you know, pray. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of that is the responsibility that we have that if Lord puts somebody on your mind, it's not an accident. There's for some reason. Yeah. And uh, when I finally obey and get there, and, and I don't talk on the phone well at all. After 60 seconds, I'm, I have nothing left. I, know, I, I freak out on the phone. I get so nervous and wooden. I'm always like, hello. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, I, I panic, I think, every time I'm on the phone. But yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, so I'm, I'm looking for a way to get off after 60 <laughs> seconds. But I've never been told to get off yet. Sure. You know, yeah. everybody that you finally take the courage and phone them. Yep. You find out, oh, there's a reason. There's mm -hmm. a reason why God puts that person in your in your mind. Eh? Yeah. And uh, you know, to you have a bit of a responsibility to to follow up on it. I think mm -hmm. that's you know, even yeah. if, if it's not comfortable, sure. it's sure not comfortable up here. But you know, yeah, yeah, that's really a powerful thought. I think um, I remember sometimes I felt concerned because sometimes I'd reach out to someone. I felt like there was nothing that happened. Or I felt a burden to pray for someone, and it seemed like there wasn't anything going on at the time. And then I remember being in Niger. And uh, Lisa making the comment of people emailing her sometimes and saying, I just felt so deep, I need to pray for you today. And she's like, it was a good day, nothing happened. Which like the thought came to her, what would have happened if they hadn't been praying? Oh, yeah. Or how might things have shifted if they didn't? Or maybe it's that, that invitation to call because they're going to need you not today, but maybe tomorrow or the next day. Uh, and I think it's just um, that ongoing step of faith, like you say, that responsibility. If yeah. we feel that sense of a burden for someone to reach out, to care, mm. to pray, to connect, uh, even if we're not sure... That's exactly the spot or the space as well. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 I thought when you got into the last quarter of life, it got simpler. Yep. Yeah. Doesn't work that way, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But I think right now, well, the last thought basically is, you know, I, I, we're looking forward, I, I'm talking to the boys about a legacy. You leave yeah. a legacy. Well, when I get to heaven now, I kind of, in a way, I'm thinking when I meet Jesus, uh, I want him to say, hi, Brian, welcome home rather than, well, let me see if you're on my list. Like, right. uh, it's, it's, that's the challenge right now for me, is take the time, make mm -hmm. the time, build the relationship, uh, you know, because there's a bit of a panic. We're in the lost quarter. So uh, time, time seems like it's running out in ways. Right. You know, I might be here for 25 years yet, but sure. it's the last 25 yeah. We better make it count. And even so. like you said, again, we never know exactly the scope or span of what our life might be, right? And so the, yeah. the ongoing gift to continue wherever we are, to say that such that gracious gift of when we enter the presence of Jesus, that it would just feel like home because yeah. we know him so well. And again, thanks so much for that affirmation. And again, thank you so much for your leadership and your oh. wisdom and just for sharing with us. I know this isn't your favorite thing to come up here, but no. thanks so much for your willingness to be vulnerable and just be open with us. I've learned that when a spotlight on, I can't see very many people, so <laughs> it's all right. It makes it feel less frightening, right? <laughs> Thank you.